We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. All right, everybody. We are back for another episode here of Setting the Pace. And these guys joined me about a month and a half ago, I would say. And, uh, you know, I had three guests come on to talk about, is Tyrese Halliburton a franchise player? It was a really fun podcast. I think you guys really enjoyed it. But we just felt like after Lincoln compared Paulo Boncaro to Kyle Kuzma, we could not bring him back on. He deserved a timeout. So joining me is Carson Stafford, who wanted us to get Drew Timmy, which is about as bad of a take, but uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll give him grace there because it's probably not the most off Pacers thing. But uh, and then David Cole at, at Shady Buffalo Pod on Twitter. So David, how you doing, man? I am doing pretty good, even though I may not sound like it. My voice is a little uh, a little a little off, but I'm doing pretty good. I will say. He did say Drew Timmy in the second round. So, you know. Thank you. Thank you. It is, it is still really bad. Carson, <laughs> how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Um, doing pretty, doing really good uh, because the lottery is only a couple days away. So, yeah. finally, it feels like it was never coming. Um, so, I'm glad that we're a uh, week of the lottery. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Me and Foch will have a live podcast reaction during the draft lottery for you guys. So, I will say this, if we move up from five into the top four, me and Fachi will probably lose our mind on the podcast. Um, the same might happen if we fall to nine. So just be on the lookout for that. But today on the podcast, we're going to be doing two things here. And I think our first segment is going to be really interesting. 
We're going to be talking about Chris Duarte. I know we talked about him a little bit a few episodes ago, not too long ago, but um, I wanted to get into some other rookies that had similar stats in their rookie season, other players that had similar stats. And I put one out yesterday on Twitter to kind of see how fans reacted. And, and Ray Allen in 96, 97 had very, very, very similar stats. And I had a lot of people coming at me saying, well, they're not the same player. This is a ridiculous take. It's not a take. I'm just comparing the rookie stats. So I'm going to go through here real quick. I found nine players that have similar stats. And then David and Carson are going to tell me, you know, at, a, at looking at these players, which one they feel like makes the most sense. So we'll we'll go and kind of like build up to it. So uh, one player that had very similar stats, Johnny Flynn, his rookie season, obviously a totally different player and position. Uh, Shane Battier with the Grizzlies, uh, Dylan Brooks. Uh, we had former Pacer, Victor Oladipo. Um, we have a Miami player, Tyler Hero with similar stats. And then these three names, I think, uh, aside from Ray Allen, will really interest you. Bradley Beal, Clay Thompson, and Devin Booker all have very similar stats to Chris Duarte in their rookie season. So I'll start with you first, David. Um, when looking at these names, maybe, is there one that pops off to you that you think, hey, I can kind of see Duarte maybe being that guy? Yeah, there are there are two. And I think that both are, are positives for Pacers fans. One of them is maybe more realistic, and one of them is a little bit more if he hits his ceiling, the, the high end pick is Clay Thompson. I haven't been able to get it out of my head. I heard um, when we drafted him, some draft analyst said, Oh, his ceiling could be like a Clay Thompson. Yeah. And that just made me so excited, even though that may not be realistic. And I don't want to put that on him uh, this young, but if we're trying to project where he's going to go, I mean, the stats are pretty similar and, you know, maybe, Clay Thompson's best will be better than Duarte's best, but Clay Thompson's best is probably behind him now. And Duarte um, has a similar is a similar type of player, and I think Duarte could even be better defensively than yeah. Clay, which is why I my I think the most true pick probably will end up being Shane Battier because he's a good shooter um, and he can shoot not just from three but from anywhere on the field really, and it's a little bit of a better defensive player than, uh, than Clay. Yeah, so let me just go through this real quick. Clay Thompson's rookie season stats, he averaged 12.5 points per game. Duarte had 13.1. Clay Thompson averaged 2.4 rebounds, where Duarte had 4.1. Uh, the assists were pretty much identical. Two for Clay, 2.1 for Duarte. Both shot 44% from the field. Um, Clay was a much better from three, though. He shot 41% from three his rookie season, where Duarte was just 37%. Um, and then from two percentage, uh, Clay Thompson shot 46%, where Duarte shot 47.5. And so I also looked up their field goals attempted per game to kind of see what their volume was. Very identical. 10.9 for Clay, 11.3 for Duarte. Now, look, Shane Battier, he had a little bit better numbers in terms of overall points per game just because he was a starter every single time for yeah. Uh, the, the Grizzlies. I'm not sure if they were in Vancouver or Memphis when he first was on that team. I think they were in Vancouver still, but um, don't want to misspeak here. But Battier averaged 14.4 points per game, 5.4 rebounds per game, 2.8 assists, 1.6 steals. But he had very, very, very similar statistical shooting numbers. Both him and Duarte shot 43% from the field, uh, 37 from three. And Duarte actually shot better from two at 47.5 compared to Battier is 45%. So looking at that, I'm not getting into super advanced analytics here on any of these guys, but just looking at the basic shooting splits with 
the points per game, rebounds per game, that kind of stuff. I can see why you put these two together. You think, okay, maybe he falls into that tier, more so a role player on good teams. Yeah, but, but a strong one. Yes, and, and both are known for their defense. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's something, that, you know, any Pacers fan that was able to stick through very many games last season, you know we need defense. Yeah. And we know Duarte, even in the few games that he was able to play, showed that. So, and I think that he'll be healthier next year. I think that they probably held him back more than they needed to play it safe because he's a rookie. You don't want to just throw him to the wolves and hope that he uh, doesn't get hurt again. You want to play it safe, especially when we didn't, weren't playing for anything. So I think that that defensive part of things is one of the biggest reasons why I'm high on Duarte. Like mm-hmm. He's a solid shooter. I think he's a really good shooter. I'm not sure that we can expect him to be on the level of Clay at Clay's best. But if he's even close, that's really great. And his defense, I think, is where we can hope that he can really help us out because our defense is really bad. Yeah, and that's that's a good point, too. I think – I will say this. I think Duarte has more potential to be better as a as a guy that can create his own shot. Yeah. Clay and Clay and Battier are both guys that kind of are set shooters in a, in a sense. I know Battier in his early career was a little bit different player than he was with, you know, that Miami team that he was a, a big part of. But, you know, as a spot-up shooter, I mean, those guys were lethal. And I think Duarte can be a spot-up shooter for sure. But mm-hmm. we've seen him kind of hit some of those shots off the dribble, fading away. I mean, he's had some tough ones. So uh, Carson, I, I don't know if David stole your thunder there with his two guys, but uh, is there someone that sticks out to you on this list that you feel like could project to Chris Duarte? So I'll get into my Shane Battier uh, segment in a, just a second. But the first two that come uh, came to me first are a kind of like a Devin Booker, Clay Thompson hybrid. Um, and that's because I can see him being an off-ball threat and that good defender like we see from Clay. Um, but Duarte, at least in my opinion, has maybe a little bit better of a knack for knowing when to get to the rim, uh, kind of scoring close, and can create his own shot a little bit more like someone like Devin Booker. He still is a perimeter player. Um, but can get the ball inside and score in that close mid-range. Um, so that's kind of, in terms of play style, I kind of see him being like Clay Devin Booker, whereas those guys might be scoring 22 to 26 points a game. I think um, Duarte would be more like that 17 to 22 uh, points per game player um, in his in his prime. But yeah. I do like the Shane Battier uh, connection because Battier always was a very well-respected player, kind of treated as a veteran and almost even a leader from a pretty young age. Um, So I think in terms of play style, I see the Clay and Devin Booker combination. But in terms of the, like, persona of the player, I can see him having that Shane uh, Battier-type influence on this young Pacers squad. And what's interesting is that uh, Battier was also an older draftee. He was 23 when he was drafted. Duarte was 24, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. Yeah. So they were both kind of that older guy coming in. Um, and so I think both are in a – Shane Bédier was and Duarte is in a unique position to kind of be a strong voice uh, in a young locker room where he's older, old enough um, and older enough than the current guys being drafted to kind of have um, that veteran leadership position. Um, so that's kind of where I see him fitting in moving forward. Yeah, and I think you bring up some good points there, especially bringing up the age comparison to Shane Battier, which I don't think people realize how, you know, coveted college players were back in the draft, especially college players with experience, because you got to see a bigger sample size 
of what they what they were in college and thought that would translate to the NBA. And then the high school stuff really started taking place in, in 96, 97. And I think Battier was actually like that whole that draft was kind of interesting. I think people were kind of surprised when he went uh, when he where he went. At. I believe it was in the top five, if I'm not mistaken. But it was just it was just definitely one of those things. Where I remember they're like, OK, here's a solid college guy. It's not a high school player. So it's uh, definitely something interesting there. But you bring up Devin Booker as well. And I think we've heard from different people that, you know, Chris Duarte is the Dominican Devin Booker or the Dominican Clay Thompson. I've heard both, actually. And you said he's kind of a hybrid of both. So, I mean, that projects to be a really freaking awesome player, Carson. So, I mean, are you really thinking that Chris Duarte can really become that level of player? I think I kind of view him as maybe like a tier below those guys. And I kind of hinted at it. I tried to represent that and kind of where I project him to be like a scorer. Like, do I think Chris Duarte will ever be an MVP candidate like Devin Booker was this season? And do I ever see him scoring 30 points in a quarter, 60 points in a game? No, I don't. Um, but just in terms of play style and general averages, I kind of see him being like maybe half um, his ceiling, at least being a step underneath those guys, um, especially playing with a guy who can move the ball like Halliburton. Um, I know Curry's a scorer, but he is an amazing passer in that Golden State offense. They yeah. move the ball well, um, as we all know. So and I think this... Pacers team moving forward could we'll we'll see Duarte kind of operate a lot of off ball um but overall I think he'll like I said maybe be more in that 17 to 22 points per game if he ever had like a 25 point per game season I, I would be shocked uh, but I would <laughs> yeah. not be shocked if we see Duarte average averaging 22 points 23 points in his prime yeah he's gonna have to get enough shot at Simpson that's one thing I'm kind of worried about is him ever reaching that if depending on who they draft obviously that's still something we have to pay close attention to because if they draft uh, a Jaden Ivey or even somebody like Shaden Sharp then does that impact the touches that he gets the the amount of minutes he plays and that's why for me when I'm looking at this list like I think the Clay Thompson stuff is very interesting just because we know Golden State desperately wanted Chris Duarte. They tried to trade for him on draft night, and a lot of people said he's Clay 2.0. So I'm not I'm not too upset with that. I, I just think projecting someone to be Clay Thompson, you know, a guy that was part of the Splash Brothers on one of the greatest shooting teams of all time, it's just hard for me to be like, okay, that's who he's going to be. I don't want to I don't want to over project, but I, I do think that there could be some similarities to him. And a guy we haven't talked about, and that's Dylan Brooks, another guy from Oregon, a guy from Memphis that kind of brought that toughness. And I think you guys probably recognize it a little bit this year. When Duarte played, wasn't afraid of the moment ever. Um, sometimes he did force some shots that really weren't there because he was trying to get himself going. And I think Brooks does that quite a bit. I don't think Duarte is going to be as outlandish with his shot attempts like we saw Dylan Brooks especially in the last couple of games of the uh, West semifinals against the Warriors but I can see where they could be similar players because Brooks to me is an awesome role player on, on the right team really good defender can change things in um, in a matter of moments just because of that fearless when it comes to you know the ball in his hands with the biggest moment but I would say that looking at all of these players to me the the stats that probably compare the most in terms of shooting percentage and everything has to be Tyler Hero. They're almost identical in their rookie season stats. And 
I wonder if that's something Duarte could become is that sixth man rule type of player that just lights it up off the bench. Now you have to wonder how does Buddy Hield impact that um, and all that kind of stuff. But I know Tyler here is not the same defender as, as a guy like um, Chris Duarte, but I just thought that was really interesting, David. Yeah, I definitely thought about Tyler hero. My concern was like the defensive side of things, as you mentioned, is not quite as good. And Part of it is that we haven't seen the sample size from Duarte, but you know I, I'm not a huge Tyler Hero fan, but he can just light it up. Yeah, I mean, he can get hot and just light it up, and we haven't seen that from Duarte just quite yet. I think we could. I think we definitely could. Yeah, small but sample size. That's the part of the problem. So from Tyler Hero, he kind of has this um, reputation as being like a microwave kind of player. You come in and shoot a bunch of threes and hit a bunch of them. And, and if you're hot, then you can, if he's hot, then just leave him in. If he's not, then, oh, well, he's a bench player. So pull him off, whatever. Um, and with, with um, Duarte, we just haven't had the time yet. I do think that it's definitely possible if he's willing to accept a bench role. And if he can give us even like 80% or 90% of Tyler Hero's scoring ability and then more defensive ability that yeah. would be pretty good yeah i think one thing with hero too is he is definitely more of an on-ball creator yeah. with what he can do i mean obviously he blew up in the bubble i think he really put himself on the map during the bubble season um helped miami get to the nba finals actually i mean he was a good part yeah. of that team and he had some swagger uh you know he was uh definitely like helping the heat win some big games and so it's like okay I think that it all depends on who you get around Duarte. Um, and that's part of just building a roster. So Carson, um, any thoughts on the Dylan Brooks comparison that I brought up? I think, I mean, I think that like, like, like you said, like the statistics is there in the role that he fills on the team is there, especially if the Pacers do take someone like a uh, Jaden Ivey, and we've obviously seen how Dylan Brooks plays with John Morant. We've seen the John Morant, Jaden Ivey uh, comparisons. Mm-hmm. So I definitely do like Duarte as maybe more of a uh, as a role, like a scoring role player. I think very well. I think, and I think ultimately that's what he'll be. I think you kind of hit on something um, there with him and Tyler Harrow, where it's like they're not may not be your guy that's starting at that two spot. Um, and that you want in there playing 40 minutes a night. But if Duarte can come in and give you closer to that 30-minute mark where he is, where he's playing against an opposing team's bench and can get in there and get up 18, 20 points and get his, get those shot attempts, like you said, where you're concerned, um, I think him getting those shot attempts at a time like that would be would be phenomenal. Do we, do we think there's any chance he could have a Ray Allen type of career, David? I think the opportunity is the problem I'm seeing. So because Ray Allen had lots of opportunity when he was first starting off his career, um, and the fact that we have Halliburton already, we have Buddy Heald, like, yeah, we we could deal him, um, but there also is a decent chance that we draft another guard or forward that could take up a lot of shots. Now, if we we get Paolo and he plays more of a facilitator role, um, then maybe – yeah. Maybe, but I think that because of the fact that he did look very good that first his rookie season, Duarte did. Um, maybe they'll give him a little bit more run this season and and kind of highlight him. 
Um, depending, especially on the draft, if we fall back a few spots and then maybe they trade back to get two players they like and there's some weird scenarios where maybe he is going to have more of a spotlight. But there are also plenty of scenarios where we if we have Jaden Ivey and Halliburton, then he sh- probably should be taking the third amount of, sh- like the third most shots, which then yeah. will probably prohibit him from looking more like Ray Allen. I, I do think that there's a potential uh, to look like Ray Allen in his veteran years, like in his later years, mm-hmm. um, as a guy that's going to come in, play fine defense to good defense, and just hit big shots. Um, but the Ray Allen in Milwaukee, where he is like an all-star, <laughs> looking like a I mean, he, Ray Allen in Milwaukee, people forget about how good he was. Uh, like, I don't think he he could get to that level on this team, given what given that we already know we're guaranteed a top nine pick and have Halliburton already. Yeah, Ray Allen. I mean, people forget how athletic that dude was. I mean, yeah. I think he was in the dunk contest, if I'm not mistaken. So he could just – I mean, he could fly. He had some nasty dunks on people. People just remember the the Celtics and the Heat. But he was – you know, I think he started to lose a little bit of his athleticism with Seattle, but he still had it. And, you know, it's just – he's had an interesting career, obviously. Winning that championship in Boston just put him on the map. And, I mean, the Pacers have had – some solid shooters in their, in their time here. And I think you could make some comparisons maybe to a Danny Granger being a little bit of an older guy that got drafted. Uh, I don't know necessarily if the numbers match up. I don't think they did. Um, Same with Reggie Miller. I think Reggie Miller's numbers were a little bit down, especially when comparing the two. But I I think out of these nine players, it's fascinating just to kind of look and see this is really pretty good company. All, all players really outside of Johnny Flynn, have had good NBA careers. So you're hoping that these numbers continue to project. And I mean, there might've been a few players that had similar stats that I might've left off. I know Carson found one player that I didn't put on here. And you said, I don't feel like bringing this up to just add insult to injury, but uh, I think it'd only be fair for you to bring that player up just so we can know who else had some similar uh, statistics that you found. I might have to pull it up here real quick. Cause I didn't even put it in like, didn't even want to talk about it, but in his rookie season, um, the one and only Al Thornton had uh, 12.7 points, uh, like four and a half rebounds, 1.2 assists, shot 33% from three, um, 43% from the field, and then for about 45% uh, from two. It's pretty so close, like, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel the need to try to name drop Al Thornton in our Pacers pod today. Well, here he is. So I just wanted to get that out there. But um, I think this might be a fun exercise here, guys. I don't know if I didn't really give you guys any prep on this, so that's kind of maybe we can do it together. But maybe rank these nine players uh, in inverse order in terms of who we think Duarte's career could most likely, you know. Uh, replicate or, or at least maybe come close to. I think obviously at number nine, we got to put Johnny Flynn. I don't see anywhere yeah. that um, comes close. But then at number eight, who, who would you say, David? Man, I'm looking at maybe a Bradley Beal. Um, it's tough because talent wise, he is incredible, but he also hasn't had a ton of success. Um, he's, you know, got all stars, but he hasn't um, won anything really more than all star awards, right? So, yeah. He obviously a very talented player. He just kind of had a really, really unlucky career being stuck in Washington and, and, and you know, in Fauci's favorite basketball team there. 
But so I was looking at him, but in terms of play style, I think maybe Oladipo is the one that I'm pushing back against the most because because Vic, especially before the injury, was so much more athletic. Yeah. Than Duarte is, and Duarte is not like unathletic, but Vic was the fastest guy on the court almost every game. Uh, can jump out of the gym and do do things athletically that made his defense better, made his offense better. And that's just not only Duarte's game. So in terms of just like most different, I would probably go with Vic. Vic at eight, is that what you say, Carson? I would agree, yes. Yeah, I I think that's where I was going to. And so you brought up Bradley Beal. Is that where you'd go seven, Carson? Yeah, it is. I I mean, Bradley Beal's kind of had the – curse and the luxury of having the opportunity just to be a volume <laughs> scorer in Washington. Not that they didn't have any good teams with Wall and his prime or Marcin Gortat that, I mean, they were, they were a playoff team. Um, but I think I do not believe that Chris Duarte will ever be a volume scorer. I don't think he's going to get that, the kind of shot attempts that Bradley Beal has gotten in his career. So I just, I don't see um, the connection uh, with Bradley Beal. Yeah, I was leaning Beal, too. It's like I was laughing. I was like, man, Beal and Vic had really similar stats, and they're totally different players. Um, I, obviously, I think I think Vic had more assists because he played a lot of yeah. point guard in Orlando that first year as a rookie. Um, I didn't even bring up turnovers and any of that kind of stuff. I was trying to keep it positive here. But, um, you know, 33% from three, I was just like, yeah, Vic really wasn't a three-point shooter at that time either. So, um, okay, so we've got our bottom three. Now let's look at number six here. I'll go back to you, David. What do you think here? Man, I'm probably leaning Ray Allen just based off of how good Ray Allen was. Right. And hoping Duarte is as good as Ray Allen is probably <laughs> a little much. Yeah. Um, either be him or maybe Booker, but I think he is. I think he plays like Booker though. So that's that's the that's the difficult yeah. spot. Carson, did you have anything else here besides Allen? Yeah. No, I think Ray, Ray Allen um, had this spot for me. And I, again, I was kind of thinking about it more like play style, not necessarily even what what career will they have. Um, so, yeah, especially when factoring in for this one career and just general play style, I would have yeah. – uh, I would put Ray Allen next on the list. Yeah, I, I was kind of torn between him and Hero, to be honest with you guys. I, I, I know that I talked about Hero and him having similar stats, but style of play, I just – I mean, Ray Allen was known for being a pretty good defender, and I think Duarte has that in his bag where Tyler Hero really isn't known for being a good defender. So that's why I was like, I can kind of see his career being more like Allen's than, than heroes. But at the same time, I think, you know, hoping that it's Allen might be more so why I would want to put him higher, but I, uh, I will, I will succeed here and let you guys have a hero at six or excuse me, Allen at six. I'm not giving it to myself. And then well, um, I think you're fine to put hero at six because I think the point about defense is pretty fair. If we're looking at like, just matching up play style. Yeah. I think that Hero could be a better shooter, but he's a clearly a worse defender. It's so, just so tough because they're totally different players. They are, yeah. So that I think that I can see why you I can see why somebody would say, well, Allen actually is more like Duarte than Hero. Yeah. So I would be fine to put him at six. What I'll let you guys pick. I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of torn. I mean, I'm not like, oh, I'm so worried about you know, just the ranking. Uh what do you think, Carson? I'll let you make the deciding factor here you gotta stick with Allen yeah I think so just because uh Tyler Hero has the the sixth man thing going for him uh in terms of role that he fulfills on a team and I really can see Duarte fulfilling that spot um I think especially if we end up taking a guard in this draft 
who knows if we'll want say we take sharp or ivy i'm not sure um if you can try duarte at the three i mean they've done they've ran duarte at the three um but i think there's perfectly um like honorable if duarte were just to be a good off the bench sixth man like 15 18 point per game player so i i I would go ray allen um and then probably hero but you want to do hero five then does that sound fair i think that i think that's where i would put um yeah you you agree with that david yeah yeah okay okay so now we got our top four here and i think this is where it's going to get interesting we got booker thompson dylan brooks and shane battier four completely different players here yeah trying to determine what his um career could look like so i want to say this i think you guys both had clay and you both had shane um i think carson had devin and you devin booker you didn't have booker yeah Uh, i had brooks dylan brooks here uh as someone i thought could be similar just because of the role they play so let's go back to you carson here at four who would you put this is really tough because in terms of like numbers i think numbers and role i if i had to put money on it i would say it'll be more similar to dylan brooks but I'm having a hard time separating the, the play styles of Clay and Devin Booker that I see. Um, so I think I think I think it's fair to go Booker. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to do that just because I there's the ceiling so I, high. The ceiling of Booker is so high, and I don't think Duarte uh, comes anywhere close to like being in it. Like Booker finished the season as a top five MVP candidate, or maybe maybe top six, depending on how you view him. Duarte yeah. won't ever sniff that. So I think putting Devin Booker next is perfectly fair. What do you think, David? Yeah, I was leaning Booker partially because the ceiling for Booker, as Carson already said. Um, also, yes, it's it's fair to say that Duarte is more of a creator than Clay, and maybe maybe more than Battier. Um, but Booker's career three point percentage is only about thirty five percent, which is not bad by any means. But I think that. I think that Duarte could be better than that. Yeah, shooting-wise, for sure, from three. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Booker can get hot, obviously, but I think Booker is just a bucket and can get points in other ways where I don't know what it's going to be like for Duarte just because we don't know how many touches he's going to get, number one. Number two, depending on how Carlisle wants to play, constantly bringing up the mid-range as something he doesn't really want to see his guys taking shots in in today's NBA. And, I mean, obviously, that's – just analytics and everything that's going that way. But Carlisle, uh, actually, excuse me, Duarte said that Carlisle called the mid-range jail at one point. So I think we have to uh, maybe just put Booker here at four. I think that makes the most sense. So now you're looking at, you know, three pretty good players here and, and Brooks, Battier, and Thompson. I th- I think if it was me, I'd probably put uh, Brooks here at three, um, even though I think it could be more of his – uh, more of who he is. I just feel like based on all of our, all of our, you know, projections and all, whatever we said individually, uh, it would be a disservice not to put Shane Batty or Clay Thompson first. Yeah. I'm with you on, on, I think, I mean, really, I think we can probably take aspects of Brooks, Batty, Thompson and Booker mm. and then get, get Duarte, which sounds yeah. like it's like a super amazing player, but it's just like, Taking, Shades little, of. <laughs> taking little pieces of this that of the other and i think that carson's done a good job of trying to like set the expectation of yes he might play like some of these guys but if he is ever averaging over 20 points a game that's a huge win for the pacers draft drafting him uh where they did so yeah i think i think brooks is fair to have next 
You agree, Carson, or would you go somewhere else? I think I, I would go Brooks. Um, and again, I think if you just look at stats of points, rebounds, assists, um, maybe you know, like shooting percentages as well, I think um, Duarte's best seasons will end up mirroring the best of uh, Dylan Brooks's best seasons. But in terms of the role that he plays on the team, I, I just envision him, his play style being more like Clay and his um, role in the locker room and just on the team being more similar to Battier. So I would go Brooks at number three. Okay, so this is the tough one here because I just – I can't wait for people to hear this and be like, they think he's the closest to Shane Battier. Like, are these guys idiots? Do they watch basketball? They're totally different positions. I can already see it. Um, I think with Battier, one of the things we have to really look at here, it's not necessarily the same position or expecting that out of him. It's just kind of like what his – like you said, Carson, his role was in his career projecting that. A really good defender that had good had good shooting numbers for his career – um, never took that leap as the star of a team, but he was always a guy that made your team better. And I think that we can clearly see that when Duarte played, our defense was much better. Our team was better overall when Duarte was in there versus when he was out. And he's a rookie, obviously, trying to go through a ton of turnover as well. So many guys in and out of the lineups. I mean, the Pacers had the most, I think one of the most, if not the most, they were in the top like five most or most different starting lineups in the uh, in the NBA so um, okay so now we're now we're down between these two uh, Car- uh, Carson make your case for who, who you think should be number two I'm going Shane Battier at number two um, if not for anything other than the play style the interesting thing about Shane Battier is that he peaked like stats wise which I it's unfortunate that basketball has become such a statistical like you look at the box score and you think that's the game. Box score didn't tell the whole story. And that's really the case with Shane Battier. Um, I mean, we remember watching those good Heat teams. And Shane Battier played a significant role um, on those on those Heat teams. Um, even though he wasn't there super long, he was a solid asset to that team. Um, and he, again, statistic-wise, maybe it peaked in his rookie season. I don't think that'll be the case with Duarte. Um, but he made it this high because he was 23 when he was drafted. Um but in terms of play style and just peaking in his rookie season, I don't think Duarte was either of those things. So I'm going to go with Shane Battier at two. All right, David, is that how you feel too? Yeah, I actually, I would agree. And part of that is all the things Carson said, but also I think it's just more fun to walk away from this podcast with us just saying, Chris Duarte is going to be Clay Thompson. You know, like that's, <laughs> well, that's, and, that's clearly what we're saying. So, and the thing is, is like, I'm not going to, if, if um, Bob Myers, thinks that Chris Duarte could be the next Clay Thompson. I'm not going to argue basketball with Bob Myers. The dude can draft. The dude knows talent. Yeah. Um, so, I, if hey, if he thinks Chris Duarte is Clay Thompson, that's A-OK with me, and I'll hitch my wagon <laughs> to what Bob Myers is saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I think it's obviously Clay here for me, too, as well. It's, just, it's such a fascinating group because, like, when I was first looking at it, I was like, you know, Clay's numbers didn't really have the same – or they weren't as close as some of these other players, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think he probably was maybe like in terms of like closeness, probably like eighth or ninth overall. Yeah. If you're just looking at their their mirroring their statistics. Yeah, he's lower on steals, right? He's lower yeah. on overall points. Re- oh, lower on points, lower on rebounds, lower on steals, yeah. but higher in all the shooting percentages. So yeah. I mean, obviously. It's, you know, it's a difference between playing with Steph and Draymond and all those guys and having Mark Jackson as your coach compared to, you know, a Rick Carlisle type of coach and and the system they were in. So 
This is interesting, so we'll just go through it real quick. I'll just reread them in inverse order. We have nine, Johnny Flynn, eight, Victor Ladipo, seven, Bradley Beal, six, Ray Allen, five, Tyler Hero, four, Devin Booker, three, Dylan Brooks, two, Shane Battier, and one, Clay Thompson. In terms of trying to rank them uh, with what we see Duarte's career projecting out to be. So, guys, uh, this is really fun. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are each going to share three players we'd like to see the Pacers trade for this uh this upcoming offseason we'll be right back after this we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, everybody, we are back. And based on the replies given here for this topic on the top three players you'd like to trade for, one of these people will possibly not be back for the next podcast that we do with them in a in a survivor type of they get voted off. I mean, David is a huge survivor fan. So yes, sir. Uh, just had to give that little shout out there. But Carson, you have a disclaimer here. So go ahead and, and share it with the listeners. So some of my, um, not all three, but at least two of them might seem like I'm shooting a little low and maybe playing the hypothetical game. But I mainly did that because I wanted guys who I felt fit the Pacers timeline and they might be attainable without giving up a whole lot. I really like this Pacers core um, and I want to see these guys grow and develop. Like I don't want to see us trade Isaiah Jackson and then him go out and be some amazing all-star center. Like I want Isaiah Jackson and I want our O'Shea Brissett. I want our, even Terry Taylor. I want to see these guys develop in Indiana just to see what they can become. Um, and so I don't yeah. want to um, give up too. Obviously you're going to have to give up something to, in trades to get new guys. Um, 
so I some of them might seem like I'm shooting a little low, but it's because I I want to see um, our guys develop here. So that's my somewhat of a okay. small disclaimer. I don't want to give up a ton. Uh, so I I don't have the OG and OBs. I don't have the PJ Washingtons on here. I don't have those guys. Quit teasing us, man. Who's your number three? <laughs> All right. So one of the guys I had on here, and I felt like there was no way that I couldn't include someone in port from Portland on my list because. No one knows what Portland's doing. I don't think that Portland knows what Portland's doing. So if I'm a GM, I'm calling them up and I'm trying to get something that's a promising talent or a pick or something from them. So I have Nasir Little on my list. Okay. Um, and they have in Nasir Little, he is a like a small forward, like he is a small forward, not a, not necessarily just a small forward, but he is a small forward. He does play the four in smaller lineups, but he's only six five. Um, but he has a seven two wingspan. Um, they have so many guys at that to play the two in the three. Um, mm. They have like um, Eric Bledsoe, who's smaller, but to play the two, they have, you have Joe Ingles, who's a three. You have Josh Hart, who's a two or a three. Um, Simons, who's a two, and then um, after. Uh, little went out with his shoulder injury this year. They had CJ Ellaby uh, coming in and kind of earned those minutes. Um, so I think that just like the size and the age of Nasir Little makes him a very interesting prospect in terms of just being extremely versatile. Um, so as just like, so I see a lot of upside at 20, just 22 years old, um, able to play a very valuable spot at that three and four spot. Um, so I, I don't know. He was a very intriguing guy to me. Yeah. And it's your little, I mean, that's the guy we talked about a little bit during the season as maybe if we were to do something with Portland, uh, when he brought up Portland, I was getting a little bit worried because that roster is pretty crappy over there right now. And I have no idea what they're going to do with that team. Obviously they have talked about wanting to still build around Dame. I just don't really know how that's going to happen. Um, I believe Nasir little actually injured himself. Didn't he at the end of the year? Yeah, he had a sh uh, shoulder injury. Okay. Um, yeah, that and he then he made, I think back at the, in the beginning of 2022, if I'm not mistaken, and then was sat yeah. out the rest, like those last maybe 30 ish games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't bring up Anthony Simons. That it wouldn't feel like that's realistic. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure which way you're going here. I was like, oh, is he going to Sear Little? Is he going Josh Hart? Is he going uh, maybe Keon Johnson? Keon Johnson, that's the other one. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we'll see what he says here. Um, I was really afraid you were about to say Eric Bledsoe for a half second. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Just because of his expiring contract. And you're like, yeah, we'll have more money for free agency next year. So let me throw out this disclaimer. But, uh, okay, this here little, I can I can dig that. Uh, wouldn't cost a whole lot probably. So, no. uh, David, number three, who you got? Well, first, I, I, like, I like going to Portland. My picks are not from Portland. But I like going to them because it's pretty safe to assume that they're ready and able to be fleeced. Uh, so... <laughs> Like if we could get if we can get a Sierra Little in their first round draft pick for like Malcolm Brogdon, like if they want Miles Turner, if they want somebody to help, because they probably would be a better team for for, for that in the yeah. short term. And I think we're happy to oblige. Um, yeah. I guess Especially if you get that pick, though. I mean, that pick is top ten. It's really, you're trading for the pick, not the, yeah. <laughs> not right. the player, right? And that and that. But yes. So my I, I ran into two small problems. One is, are the Pacers going to Pacers this meaning take a take a good draft pick and then like try to trade for a veteran to like compete for the play-in next year or are we going to actually rebuild and be bad next year and get another lottery pick next year so one of my trade options is something I can see them doing if they want to try to maybe 
compete for the play-in. And there have been rumors around two teams, and both all three of mine are from two different teams, uh, the Knicks and the Hornets. Okay. So I'm going to go with my number three because I think this is the worst for us, and that's Gordon Hayward. Now, <laughs> that's going to immediately make some people mad. I oh, love man. Gordon Hayward as a person. I wish he had got, had made it here. I, I love – your fans may not know, but Alex, you know, I have been stumping for Miles Turner to stay over Sabonis yes. the entire time. Yeah. So I'm not anti-Miles Turner. I love Miles Turner, but I love Gordon Hayward and Butler and all of that. So it'd be cool to have him home. Now, the problem is always going to be it's one more injury-prone player, but it's a position of need, especially if we don't keep TJ Warren, uh, which can make sense for us not to keep him, given the fact that he's not ever healthy. I mean, even, even if we do keep him, will he be ready for the beginning of the season? Like, God only knows. So we know that um, the Hornets have have wanted Miles Turner. I mean, we think we that they have because there's been rumors for years. So I could see some bigger trade around Brogdon and Warren or um, Heald and, and – sorry, sorry, sorry. Brogdon and Miles Turner or Heald and Miles Turner to get Hayward and something else. Yeah. I don't know what, what else it would be, but something else. It may be a draft pick, whatever. Whatever makes the money. I haven't done, done all the all the digging into what makes the money work. But I don't think this is really that great for us. I think we need to probably be bad again one more year. Mm-hmm. But I can see us doing this. Yeah, no, I could definitely see us doing it. Um, that's the thing. It's like, do you want them to do it, or can you see them doing it? And I think that's like – I just said top three realistic trade ideas or trade targets. So it's not necessarily yeah. what you want. Um, it could be a different approach if that's how you're going at. I mean, I think Hayward, it's interesting. I mean, obviously his name's been tied here ever since 2000, I believe it was 19, whenever that whole thing. Yeah. Or maybe it was 20. Maybe it was 20. I think it was 20. Um, after uh, when once Bjorkman was hired, that yeah. was kind of the thing going after him. And it's like, okay, uh, he could fit here next to Sabonis. Obviously a lot of offense here if you're going that route. Um, he's actually a pretty good defender. I say that every time we talk about him because people act like he sucks at defense, which he doesn't. He's- yeah, you're right. He's a high basketball IQ guy, uh, just makes a lot of money. And the biggest question, if you're Kevin Pritchard, is how do you tell your owner, hey, we're going to pay a guy 30 some million dollars if he only plays half the season? Um, that's where yeah. that comes into play. So I don't think it's necessarily out of the realm of possibilities. I've thrown out the idea of him and PJ Washington for like Turner, Buddy Heald, or something like that, yeah. uh, just to make salaries match up. And I know fans are like, quit talking about Turner. Hey, and then they're, or, excuse me, Hayward. They're like, he's not that good. And Washington's overrated. But, you know, everybody has their own opinions. And that's how uh, I'll transition from here. But this one might actually be a bit surprising to you guys. I was trying to find different names that I didn't think you'd bring up. So, if you guys have this on your list, I'd be a little bit surprised, but I'm going to look at a team that's actually playing pretty well right now. They're still in the playoffs. They're playing a game seven tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. It's the Phoenix Suns. And you're thinking, well, who could they trade for here? Is it a sign and trade for DeAndre Aiden? No, it's Cameron Johnson. Yeah. Cameron Johnson is got one year left. It's a team option for next year, $5.8 million. Here's the thing. They've got to decide if they're going to pay DeAndre Aiden. After that, they've already got Devin Booker making $33.8 million. Chris Paul just got an extension last year, 28.4 for him. And Mikel Bridges just signed an extension for $21 million a year over the next four years. So Jay Crowder, of course, will be an expiring contract next year for $10 million. Pacers don't really want him on their team. 31 years old doesn't fit the timeline. But Cameron Johnson, at 26 years old, makes a heck of a lot more sense to me. And I know Cameron Johnson's coming off the bench for them. 
Uh, he's six foot eight, 210 pounds. So you can easily put him in there at that small forward power four position. And the Pacers can take a swing on a guy that maybe the, the Suns can't afford. And they've already had some pretty good trade luck here with Phoenix um, being able to deal Torrey Craig back there for Jalen Smith. Obviously, Jalen Smith played really well here in Indiana. We don't know if we're going to be able to keep him. So that could be another position of need. And you still have that Cavaliers lottery protected pick. Maybe that's what is enticing to the Suns when you do this because then the Suns can say, hey, next year draft's supposed to be pretty good. If the Cavs make the playoffs, we can get a guy to replace Cameron Johnson in that 15 to 20 range. So Carson, I don't know. You shook your head when I said that, if you had him on your list, but what are your thoughts on that? I, so I was, I love it. Um, so I'll say that first. I almost had him on my list. Um, the reason I didn't is because I actually, if you remember last time I was on the pod, I drew some kind of uh, Phoenix Suns Pacers uh, parallels with mm. like maybe some Duarte Booker action, some <laughs> Halliburton, Chris Paul action, and then maybe yeah. targeting uh, Cam Johnson. So I, I do love I love that um, that you included him. I did not include him this time just because I kind of mentioned it last time. Yeah. Um, but had I not, he would have been on my list because I really do like Cam Johnson quite a bit. Yeah, and I have him at three, and you might think, why isn't he higher on your list? I don't know if it's realistic. That's why I was like, I can't see it being super realistic, but it's it's a possibility. Um, all right, Carson, let's go back to you. Number two, who do you have on your list now? So this is another one that might seem kind of out of pocket. Um, but and it is a swing though. But I the reason why I think this player could be worth the swing is because on his current roster, he doesn't really fit what they need. Um, and it is another Cam, but it's Cam Thomas. Now I get I get that. Um, okay, that's interesting. It, it is. Uh, so I get that he didn't maybe have the best shooting season this year, um, but I think he is worth a swing because in games where he played at least twenty minutes. He was averaging uh, 15 and a half points, four rebounds, and two assists. So that kind of stuck out to me is that, like if he gets in the game, he can he can put the ball in the hoop. Um, and he's only 20 years old. So like very young, he's a pretty good scorer, but that's not what Brooklyn needs right now. They don't need another guy who can get the ball in the hoop. They need role players, guys who can play defense. He's not a great defender, um, but I think – Cam Thomas was at least interesting. I didn't think that, and he's again, he's another one of those guys that it's like um, you might be able to get him without needing to give up a ton. Um, if, if Brooklyn has, if we have something um, that Brooklyn might want as a role player, a guy who can play defense that they think could help them win. Now Cam Thomas is not going to help them win. Now he is more or less a DNP um, at the end of the season um, yeah. when everybody was healthy. So I think he's, um, I think he's worth a swing as a potential volume scorer. Um, extremely young, in my opinion, a lot of upside. I get the concerns, and if you were like, "No way," I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you. But I think um, I bet the um, asking price is not super high. And I again, I think he's just a guy who could be worth the swing. Yeah, I will say this real quick. I believe there was a lot of rumors last year that the Pacers had interest in him during the draft time. Um, I would say this. I never disliked him as a scorer. I just thought 13 was a little bit too high for him. Yes. I forget where he fell in the draft. I think it was I think late 20s. Yeah, I think 27. Yeah. That's that's kind of where I was like, yeah, he's just kind of – he's one-dimensional in a certain yeah. – and he's a guy that can just light it up and not a great defender. But, I mean, you, you're talking about some of those games that he had, David. I mean, he looked really good for Brooklyn. So, I mean, obviously it just depends on what you're able to uh, to give them to get him. But I don't think it's the worst thing. I just don't know if he makes a ton of sense depending on 
who's all on the roster, especially if you have both Duarte and Buddy Heald. Uh, but any thoughts on that, David, with Cam Thomas? The position was why I was not really into that, that. that pick. Yeah, especially <laughs> when we have spent this whole podcast acting as if Malcolm Brogdon is not going to be here. And there's a chance he's going to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, especially if we have Malcolm Brogdon still, Halliburton, Duarte, Heald, like, there's a chance that we trade somebody and maybe all four of them are still here. And that's not even counting, like, uh, any, like, like TJ McConnell. I mean, there's guards mm-hmm. out the wazoo on this team right now. Dwayne Washington Jr., Lance, Dwayne, he comes back. And, and Dwayne, I don't know, he could be gone, but, like, I have a hard time believing that two of the five that I mentioned, Duarte, Halliburton, Brogdon, McConnell, and Heald, I have a hard time believing that two of them are both traded. Yeah. So if we have four of those players – we don't really need a shooting guard or point guard, especially if we draft a shooting guard. Yeah. <laughs> like we draft Jaden Ivey, which the, the difference there is that, like, in the draft, you take best player available, especially because it, if it's at. a top five pick, that could that player could make one of those other players we have irrelevant, which is fine if they're better than them. But I don't think Cam Thomas is going to do that. And so he could come here and, like, not really have much of a role unless there's injuries or we trade people midseason. So that's kind of why I would lean more towards the Cameron uh, Johnson pick because he's a power forward, which we definitely need yeah. some more small forward, power forward type layers. Okay. All right, David, give me your number two now. So my number two wasn't one of those slots. My number two is Obi Toppin. So we know there's been a lot of talk about the Knicks and Brogdon, or the, and the Knicks are always doing doing something. So, so he's 24, uh, just turned 24 back in March. Uh, power forward, he's probably not small enough, probably not fast enough to play small forward. I don't, I don't know. Maybe in some matchups he can play small forward, but I'm going to be more of a power forward. And both this pick and my next pick, my number one, are kind of assuming there's a chance that we draft a big and like a power forward or a center and trade Miles. To, to, like if we don't get up to top three or four pick and we trade up to get like a Paolo or to get someone that's a power forward center, then we will need someone to fill in Miles or like to fill in with next to a Paolo. So, I mean, Toppin is not the best one for me as my number one, but he's yeah. someone that has been mentioned a lot. Uh, someone that's young to fits the timeline, hasn't had a ton of, um, ton of potential um, like playing time for yeah. the Knicks. He hasn't got a lot of play. So for us, maybe you could get more potential or playing time and could, you know, move forward in terms of increasing his, some of his numbers because he's not super impressive numbers-wise, which is part of why I think we could get him. Yeah, and I, I definitely think when you look at the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau, it's obviously just like he plays older guys over younger guys. But you do know that Obi Toppin uh, has potential because I think it was the fifth overall pick, if I'm not mistaken, just a couple of years ago for the Knicks. So they obviously believe in him to a certain degree. He was eighth. He was eighth. eighth. Was he eighth? Still, oh, still top I think he was projected fifth and fell to eighth. That's right. So Yeah. Um, still high pick. So Right, right, right. So I, I think now looking at your list, David, you have Gordon Hayward and Obi Toppin. I, I think what I'm seeing here is just your, your personal bias towards – Indianapolis and Star Wars. Um, yeah, knowing Miles Turner is Darth Vader, who else better to pair him with than Obi? Right. Yeah, right. So my dog's name is Obi. Exactly. I it's, mean, my dog's name is Buddy. So you know, Carson, go. do you have a dog? I do. 
What's your dog? Charlie. Uh, we got to trade for a Charlie then, so we can all be on the same page here. But villain uh, wave, villain wave uh, on the uh, coaching staff. There we go. Coaching staff. Former Maverick, right? Yeah. Okay. There we go. And Carlisle connections. There we go. We're talking about it. Um, Wrong. But no, I uh, I think Obi Toppin's an interesting name. Obviously, we brought him up on the podcast a lot last year when we were thinking about potential trades with Miles to the Knicks and like would we be able to get like maybe an Emmanuel quickly or an Obi Toppin or somebody younger like that to help with this team. Um, but I think. Like you said, position is where it's all about. And I don't think I see Obi as a five, but I definitely could see him as a four next to Miles. Um, and it, like you said, depending on if they don't fall into like that top two to yeah. three where they can get a Bon Carroll or a Jabari Smith or even a Chet, really. I mean, I'm just saying, yeah. like, even though I don't think they want him, they could still theoretically draft him. Yeah. They, they could just go with Jay Nivey at that point. And then you're like, okay, we really need a power forward because we're really thin on that position. So, um, but, but Carson, any thoughts on Obi Toppin before we go to your number or my number two? No, I think it's a great idea. Um, he brings the athleticism and we've been talking like, what would an athletic four look like with someone like Tyrese Halliburton? Um, and I, and especially if we are able to get like someone as athletic as Jaden Ivey or, yeah. uh, Shaden Sharp, that like the idea of an Obi Toppin, Tyrese Halliburton, Shaden Sharp slash Jaden fast break, that is dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. and quite explosive. So I think yeah. um, you could see a lot of fun action above the room with those guys. Yeah, Obi and Isaiah Jackson, man, that's a fun duo right there. Um, yeah. For my number two, now this is going to be a, another another team that – all the teams that I picked were contending teams that need to add players. And personally for me, I believe the Pacers should continue to try to go through this rebuild and get the most talent they can. Um, and for me, number two, I have Matisse Stiebel here from Philadelphia. This is a guy that, you know – really kind of lost a spot in the rotation because of the COVID situation, not being able to play in Toronto. So Doc Rivers decided to go with Danny Green in the starting lineup over him. And Danny Green actually played pretty well for the Sixers during the playoffs and unfortunately had a nasty injury from uh, the last game they played against the Heat where Joel Embiid fell into his leg and I think ACL or MCL tear, maybe both, I can't remember. But it was pretty nasty. And so now they're kind of thin on that position. Um, Danny Green has one year left. I think, I don't know if it's non-guaranteed or not. I think it might be non-guaranteed, but they might want to keep that because it's $10 million and they can trade it. Um, and the Pacers, obviously, if they want to go into that same situation like they went in last year when they traded Levert, they took on Ricky Rubio's expiring contract and uh, just basically just didn't waive him, but they kept him, but they could waive Danny Green, whatever, while he's out with the injury and try to acquire a young player like Matisse Thibel. And position-wise might be something you're thinking, okay, we don't really need a person at that position. But when I look at this Pacers team, they desperately need defense. And that's what Matisse Thibel is known for. So if the Pacers are somehow able to, like, figure out a package where they get back, I think it would be like Cork Maz, Danny Green's expiring, and Matisse Thibel for Brogdon. I think that you could kind of talk yourself into it. I don't know if you'd be able to get a pick back in that certain kind of trade because um, the, the Sixers would still have to eat up about 4 or $5 million in that, but I think they would have it uh, to be able to take it on. So the trade worked on the trade machine, but I was just thinking, okay, um, this could make some sense, especially since the Pacers need defense and they want to get younger. That's where I like Thibel. Just trying to get there is the hardest part, I guess, in terms of what you trade for him. So, uh, David, any thoughts on Thibel? I, I like Thibel. Again, it, it is difficult to see if we could get him playing time, but I, I really like what he brings to the table defensively. Um, 
I think he has a lot of untapped potential as mm-hmm. well. So if we didn't draft a guard and we do end up trading away Brogdon and or Heald, if you get both, you know, get rid of both of those, you can try him off the bench or try him and Duarte at the two and three together, maybe. Yeah. That would be something that, you know, I could see happening if we do end up drafting a small forward or, or bigger power forward mm-hmm. center. Uh, it's you, there are some like hoops to jump through to get there, but I do like what he brings to the table, especially defensively a lot. Yeah. I mean, if there's, let's just say, for example, the Pacers maybe draft Keegan Murray, right? Yeah. Start him at the four. You, you have him next to Turner. You got Duarte in the starting lineup with Halliburton. And you throw Fievel in there. Just this, you know, guy that's known for his defense and hope that maybe a new situation, maybe not as much pressure on him in Indiana as there is in Philadelphia to be that guy. Let him kind of grow into his game. I, I mean, I can see where that might make some sense. And then you bring Buddy Hield off the bench as that microwave scorer instead of worrying about trying to start him and figure out his touches and stuff. Um, just kind of let him take over that second unit. But uh, Carson, any thoughts on Matisse Seibel, or do you want to just go to your number one? No, I do want to hit on him because he is a guy that, um, again, uh, not to just cop off of your list, but he he ran through my mind. But the immediate uh, like light that went off as to why I didn't include him is because Daryl Morey is going to get Daryl <laughs> Morey's way. Um, yeah, true. And I, I kind of view him as like Danny Ainge 2.0, um, maybe a little smarter in some ways. Um, but he's he's as we saw in the Simmons Harden um, deals, like he absolutely refused. I think the reports were at least that he refused to include Curry and Thibault, like they were only going to give up one. Yeah. Um, and so, and that was for a granted James Harden the trade. Who knows who won that trade? What well, it'll take years to uh, get that sorted out. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it it at least in my opinion, it seemed like Philly really like Maury waited and he got his way um, in getting to keep him. And so I kind of feel like they want to keep him around and view him as part of this team moving forward now with kind of an early exit where this year was kind of a bust or like, yeah, winter bust type season. Who yeah. knows what moves they'll think that they need to make. So, which I assume that's probably why you included him is like, Hey, mm-hmm. if they need to make a move, he's probably someone that they would need to move. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't super confident um, in Maury's willingness to move him um, right. based off of what we've seen this season. So he did not make my list for that reason. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what I was thinking more so too. It's like, okay, you lose Danny green, a really good defender and, Thibault's not known for a shooting, right? So you've got Max, you've got Harden, you've got Tobias Harris, and you've got um, of Joel Embiid, obviously, the MVP candidate there. Brogdon kind of fits in that role because we know James Harden likes to guard bigger players. Um, and I think Brogdon actually has done a good job of guarding bigger players. You allow Maxi to kind of guard those quicker guys. But the thing that Brogdon does is, I mean, he's a great three-point shooter. I mean, this year was a little bit of a rough stretch for him. Obviously, I just think – the the role he was asked to play, the style of play, the injuries, the amount of players that were in and out of the lineup just didn't really get a good feel for what he can be. But I feel like part of it might have been just like motivation. <laughs> like, was he motivated to even try half the season whenever he realized they were going to blow it up and they were going to make changes and he knew he couldn't get traded. So just kind of like stuck in no man's land. Like, I don't know if he really wants to be here or if he wants to be traded. And I could see Maury kind of like taking advantage of the Pacers a little bit maybe thinking, okay, we can really get a guy that can help, especially a guy that can do a little bit of everything and hopefully give you some minutes when you don't have James on the floor to run the offense 
you know, just I just think having more ball handlers and guys that can actually play solid defense would, would help them, especially shooting wise. But uh, enough of my case on that one. I'll uh, I'll let you take over here for your number one, Carson. Uh, wow, us all. So I shot pretty low on my first two intentionally, um, but this one is a little more ambitious and more exciting. Okay, and I'm buckling one, up. Yeah, and so and you guys have probably even like I, it's been talked about the connection, the uh, John Collins Pacers connection. Uh, for years in the interest, but I like that the proposed, usually like you see these proposed trades by uh, the general like SB Nation or um, Bleacher Report, ESPN, you see these proposed trades and the paces are always getting fleeced like a while <laughs> back when, when Lakers fans were thinking that the uh, Westbrook for Heald and Brogdon where we'd take like Westbrook THT in uh, all their garbage for uh, two valuable, pretty valuable trade assets that we can probably get something out of. Yeah. Um, so that kind of left like a bitter taste in my mouth. But I did feel appreciated as a Pacers fan when, Be- when Be- Bleacher Report put forth that proposed John Collins and Kevin Hor- uh, Horder for Buddy Heald and Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, yeah. I loved that trade a lot. Um, and I mentioned it last time I was on. I, I like Malcolm Brogdon. I think it's time to move on. Um, I don't expect him on the roster next season. So mm-hmm. if this deal happened, I would be ecstatic um, if we were able. And and it's with that deal, it's not like you're. It's not like it's Buddy and Brogdon for John Collins. I think Kevin Porter is a valuable uh, piece oh, on your sure. roster as well. Yeah, I almost had him on on my list as like maybe a three or four kind of guy, and I was like, I don't know if I can uh, make fans excited about that one because my biggest. Uh, my biggest criticism is I always want to trade our players for bad players. So I was trying not to do that this time, like underselling it. So, I mean, obviously, John Collins, every fan's going to say, well, we could have had him in the first place. You know, <laughs> that's what you're going to hear. But at this point, uh, Atlanta's in a weird spot. I would be interested to see how Brogdon fits next to Trey Young. I don't know if I love it. Um, but I definitely think Brogdon would be better off ball for sure. I just don't know if he would love it. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I definitely like both of those players. I mean, Kevin Herter has been really good. So if we were able to pull that off, I'd be down for it. David, John Collins, you a fan? Yeah, I, I love that trade. I think that, again, you get position of need um, from John Collins. He is not like way out. He's, he's, he's almost 25, which is crazy because he's, he just finished his, what, fourth or fifth, fifth year, I think, in mm-hmm. the league. And he's not even 25 yet. So he still fits our our timeline, and just the fact that you can get another player on top of that, um, and and Herder plays shooting guard, but he's six seven, and so you could probably play him at the three if mm-hmm. you need to. He'd probably be a bench player anyways. So um, to have him alongside Buddy Yielder alongside uh, Duarte on the bench, I think would be would be pretty good. Yeah, uh, especially if they're interested in Heald and. Brogdon if they wanted like Miles and Brogdon that might be a bit much um I don't know that might be a bit much for me but mm-hmm. Hilden and Brogdon I think I would do that in a heartbeat yeah no that's that's a tough trade I I try to think about it from Atlanta's perspective and why they would do it because who's playing power forward the next Capella are you looking at DeAndre Hunter being that guy are, are you looking at going smaller that way are you thinking maybe Okongwu comes off the bench and starts I mean just a lot of question marks here. Carson, did you uh, have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, like, if you're the Pacers, I'm not saying that this is for sure a go, um, but if you're the Pacers and you, you see John Collins and Kevin Porter dangled in front of your face, 
I maybe um, offer if if I, if I have to to get the deal done, I might be willing to part with that Cleveland lottery protected pick. I know right now you probably have to. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Um, kind of like in our back of our minds. And obviously I'm going to reiterate kind of um, what all Pacers fans are thinking is like, don't make your mind up on any moves until we find the guy that we're going to draft. Cause if you got to move up, obviously like I'm, I'm totally a okay using Brogdon to move up if we get screwed in the lottery. Um, but say we get top four, top five pick um, and we can keep buddy and Brogdon, then I, and, and then pair them with that Cleveland pick. I, I still think I pull off this, I, or I at least call about this trade. Yeah, that's, that's, go ahead, Dave. The Hawks also have Gallinari. You can play the four. <laughs> yeah, Gallo. Yeah, <laughs> expiring contract, great defender. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, it'll be interesting. I think there's been a lot of rumors too with maybe Rudy Gobert going to Atlanta and Donovan Mitchell possibly as well. I mean, John Collins' name is going to be floated out in a lot of trade rumors because obviously, they want more star power in that uh, Atlanta, you know, starting five. I just don't know where they're going to go about getting that. I don't think Brogdon really moves the needle that much. But, hey, if they're stupid enough to make that trade, I'm all for it. So, David, all right, man, number one, who you got? So, my number one is one that's been talked to death. Uh, I think it's good for the Pacers, and I think it's also potentially the most likely of the three it's PJ Washington. PJ Mask. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's not it's not super exciting, but I think that he could develop beyond what we've seen already. He's only 23. Um, he'll be 24. Um, I think before the season starts, it's in August, but still. So he's going to line up. He's a power forward. So again, if we don't, if they want Miles as a part of that deal, that's probably fine. Um, but I, I, I would like to see him with Miles, to be honest. And then if we draft like a Keegan Murray or Jay Nivey or anybody that's small forward in, in shooting guard, then you have uh, the lineup of Halliburton, Duarte, draft pick, plus um, P.J. Washington and Miles Turner yeah. is super exciting. So if they would be willing to take Malcolm and do some kind of a weird, maybe they maybe we give him the, the Cavs pick, or something like that. Um, and I, I, I know the money wouldn't quite work up, so you have to do something more than just a one-for-one uh, player trade. But people have talked to death about the fact that they're going to have to pay some people that they won't be able to pay. And so they're going to have to trade probably somebody. Uh, yeah. And so if it's Washington, I think that's going to be better for us than if it's uh, Hayward. <laughs> yeah, maybe you have to give up O'Shea Brissett in this deal. Yeah. You know, a young, sad, but you know, right. I mean, a young guy on a really good contract that, you know, put 27 up in his last game of the season against Kevin Durant. I mean, went toe to toe with him. I mean, obviously, I don't want to get rid of O'Shea, but if you're wanting PJ Washington to feel like he's a better player overall, maybe you do something like that. You know, maybe take back um, uh, Rozier's contract. Yeah, instead, maybe. Instead of, uh, instead of Hayward, just so they can have that forward as well there and not feel like they have to lose that veteran presence. Because um, they got two picks this year. They got pick 13 and pick 15 unless they move up from 13, which is very unlikely. But yeah, that's that's the thing. So, And I forgot to mention that's part of why I am not so opposed to Hayward is if we can get one of those two picks as a part of the Hayward deal because right. it's not a great contract, obviously, and they have to be aware of that. So if they're willing to say, like, hey, we'll give you 15 or whatever as a part of you taking on this mammoth contract – I'd be a lot more okay with it because then maybe we wouldn't be as good 
as you would think we might be with Hayward. And yeah. then he plays a few years with us as we develop young talent. And then he either resigns somewhere else or retires or whatever. And then we have a good young core that by then will be 27, 26. So that was part of that um, Hayward trade as well. Well, and here's the thing, David. I mean, I didn't even think about this until we started talking, but with picks 13 and 15, they could easily get P.J. Washington's replacement at 13 or 15. Yeah. It was one of those picks, and they get a center. So maybe you're trading them Brogdon, taking about yeah. a bad contract, plus P.J. Washington, then you're really basically saying, hey, we're going to pay you by doing that because he'll be in his last year of his rookie deal next season, and that's yeah. why it could make some sense. You don't even have to give up miles to do it. Yeah, which be good, I think. Let, let them draft maybe Mark Williams from Duke and – maybe Terry Eason or Sohan or, or somebody like that that can maybe fill that role as that power forward. They keep Hayward as well, maybe try to move him somewhere. I mean, there's a lot of things the Hornets could do. So I don't think it's the worst thing there. Um, and, and there's a lot of different ways you can go about doing it. So for me at number one, this is where I'm going to be definitely reaching here. And I think Carson at the very beginning kind of like said, well, I wasn't going to reach and try for this guy, but I'm going OG and Anobi. Yeah, uh, so great. <laughs> Only reason why, like, okay, so I don't believe anything that trade analysis or NBA analysis says on on social media. That's the uh, Evan Massey group there. Everything they say hardly ever comes true. Uh, if it does come true, it's because they've literally put out 18,000 different rumors and eventually one of them is <laughs> going to hit. So that's where I'm at. They threw out one last year with, like, Turner for, uh, for Ananobi, and it's like, look, I think they're just throwing crap at the ceiling and, and hoping it sticks. But it does make some sense if you think about it. And here's why. Scotty Barnes, they just drafted him. They've got Pascal Siakam. They've got to get a center. And I think that's part of the problem with that team is just not being able to have that center that fits that scheme. And if you listen to what Miles Turner said, he didn't like Nate Bjorkman, let's just be honest. But he said that system fit him the best out of any system that he's been in. That's what Nick Nurse runs. That's what Bjorkman was doing was a copycat version of that. Um, you put Turner with those two guys defensively, holy cow. They've already got Fred Van Vliet, one of the most underrated point guards. I think it was an all-star this year, if I'm not mistaken. And then they've got, um, I'm trying to, Gary Trent Jr. as their shooting guard. Uh, he might be more easy to get, but obviously you're not really trading Miles or somebody like that for him. But I just think OG Ananobi, um, he would fit this Pacers timeline and this team so well. It, I do worry a little bit about the injury history, but you put him in that three spot. You put Duarte at the two. You have Halliburton at the one. Uh, you figure out what you do at the five position at that point. But if you draft like a Keegan Murray or a Boncare, I mean, you're talking about a really good core. You can find yourself a center, even if it's like a Mitchell Robinson. Like, I don't love it. Yeah. Or Isaiah Jackson. But you or you can, can draft a center out. next year. I mean, we're probably yeah. going to be better. If, if we do that move, which I think is a, a good move for us in the long term, I think we'd probably be bad again next year. Yeah. And then we can draft a center next year. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different things that I think you can do. And I mean, it's just to me, it just makes a whole lot of sense to try it just because I'm just like, look, you guys have two really good forwards. OG playing with them. You can go small at times, but you're trying to go up against the Embiid's, um, the uh, the Giannis's here in the Eastern Conference. And let's not let's not sleep on them. But, you know, the Cavaliers are going to be good eventually. Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, you're not winning any games if you're playing small ball against them every time, you're going to end up paying for that later. So that's why I think they really could look at maybe adding a Turner and it'll make a lot of sense to me. So any thoughts on that, Carson? I know I, you didn't like OG uh, or didn't no, want to no, get no. my hopes up. <laughs> not, not that I, not that I didn't like, I didn't mean to throw shade or anything like that. 
Um, I, and I actually think it's a great trade uh, for both teams involved, um, especially be, like from, if you think about it from the Toronto uh, point of view, I mean, you mentioned a lot of the fits there, but even the shot blocking, I know he's not like some amazing player. Um, and I thought about having him as like a dark horse, like honorable mention. I, he's not significant enough in my opinion to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the shot blocking of Miles Turner paired with uh, Chris Boucher is pretty interesting. Like, Boucher is a, a free agent. Oh, is he? Is he is yeah, he, uh, yeah. Okay, so he's expiring then. Um, yeah. But if if he's somehow back there, like that's a lot of shot blocking or something like that. Um, so I like the fit um, for both teams involved. I think for us, I I've already am stuck in my ways and um, of having Miles at the five for next season. I didn't want to uh, think of anything else, so I wasn't going to uh, think of any deals where we'd be giving up Miles. Uh, but I do like the deal. It's not. I, I have nothing against the deal, and I think if it happened, I'd be happy. I, I wonder if there's any way you could move Brogdon and get Ananobi back. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I I think they could be interested with that because I know they don't love, from what I've heard, like they like Gary Trent Jr., but there's some things about him they don't love. And I think defensively, Brogdon could make some more sense next to next to Van Vliet. So maybe you don't have to give up miles, which would be really good for the Pacers defensively. Like that would just really solidify everything. So it doesn't necessarily have to be miles, but I think I wanted to bring up that trade idea that kind of like drew me to that topic. Just like, Hey, I'm shooting for the stars from the Pacers. I'm trying to get number one, a guy that's from Indiana. that's going to draw fans. Number two fans have been mad at you for years because you didn't draft him over TG Leaf. You write the ship with that. If you're Kevin Pritchard, this is a move that you make and you save your butt from every fan mad at you. I mean, if you're able to like eventually get him back on our team, like that'd be so big, uh, especially if it's not Gordon Hayward, like another Indiana person. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. so I, I think that's where I'm at. But I think this was a really fun exercise. Pretty interesting. We didn't have any commonalities here, David, in our in our players we talked about. Yeah. So we talked about nine players in the first segment and we talked about nine <laughs> players in the second segment. Well, technically 10 in the first segment. Duarte. Travis Carson. Oh yeah, your little Al Thornton dude, but we Al didn't. Thornton. Yeah, we didn't rank him, so that don't count. No. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, guys, I really enjoyed this conversation. Hopefully, you Pacer fans enjoy it. Uh, me and Fachi will we'll be back. We'll be back Tuesday night for a live edition of the Draft Lottery. So, whatever you got to do this week for good luck, um, just do it, please, so we can hopefully <laughs> land the top pick. The last two days, I've done one spin on Tankathon. We jumped up to two on Saturday, and today on Sunday. I did it. First try. Number one overall pick. So I'm just like, okay, uh, good vibes are coming. I was hoping the Bucks would win. They lost. So then my vibes started feeling bad. But uh, it doesn't affect the Pacers. That's all that matters to me. So, uh, Carson, we can find you on Twitter at BEGLuca, right? Yes, BEGLuca. BEGLuca and David is at, is it just, is it Shady? Shady Buffalo Pod, yeah. Shady Buffalo Pod. So if you guys haven't, check out David's podcast. It's a really fun podcast does a lot of movies and music reviews basically on there some video games if you like zelda i know he did one of those reviews and uh if you like reality tv i did did a whole entire survivor game and talked about all that on there i was on that carson helped out with that it was a lot of fun so uh make sure you guys check out that podcast and of course be tuning in to more episodes setting the pace you can find me on twitter at alexgoldenmba my co-host fachi at underscore facci and on uh twitter we're at setting the pace three for all of our podcast content. So until next time, we'll talk to you later.